0: Half a cinch this is a music appreciation podcast where we talk about albums from 1972 because they are celebrating the 50th anniversary my name is mike his name is gabe say hi gabe
1: oh hi yeah. i'm sorry no. yes okay.
0: <laughs> uh jr jr not with us tonight uh uh he's he's come down with a case of the Uh, the squirts the squirts out of every hole apparently he's
1: up tops and
0: bottoms tops bottoms coming out the sides of him. uh yeah shooting out the top of his head like a volcano
1: which Uh, i i really feel like he maybe he owes it to the the podcasting realm to to bring us in on that i mean make podcasting more human and relatable and real by (laughs) showing up uh not hungover, but um but uh, food poisoned.
0: Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm coming to you from my bathtub. Uh,
1: Stevie Wonder is just so good. He's <laughs> so good. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, great, and just great, great sounds for mm-hmm. the podcast. It, would, it, good audio stuff there. Uh, and uh, yeah, if a uh, Gabe has has told you just now, well, who we're talking about? We're going That's back. To, right. we're going back to Stevie Wonder
1: um i so and i i guess i hold the distinction of being um the um the second the second guest commentator on the second artist to release two albums in 1972 uh, from your list right
0: yeah it's true you're you're you were here for al green revisiting al green and now you're here to, to revisit Stevie Wonder, which you already, you already did this first album with us. And- I
1: did. So I feel good about coming back. And I, w- you know, I will say when, you know, at the top of the year, when you approached this topic, I, I, I jumped on this album in particular.ly you got me on the, the, the music of my mind, but this album in particular holds a special place in my heart because of one of the songs. And when we get to it, I'll share that with you. But yeah. Uh, yeah. we're, um, we're-
0: we're talking talking book. Uh, if that's not a, a great podcast title in itself, talking. Yes. It's just it's just a whole series just talking about this album, uh, but instead we're just going to spend uh, you know thirty to forty five minutes on it.
1: I do want to give lip service to you for you. I, you know I started but did not get to finish the last podcast you did of George Carlin, which oh. I'm so glad that you did those. George Carlin is absolutely amazing and i didn't realize that the albums that you were covering came out in uh 72 but that was those albums were collected in a box set that i just celebrated um you know in my younger years it was a gift that was given to me by a family member and it just blew my mind
0: cool so yeah i'm glad yeah. you
1: took the time to 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 do that um and then yeah you know the i think i i think it was the one before that that was uh, ziggy stardust um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I'm glad you gave a shout out to Chris Gaines. I don't think people talk enough about about, um, you know, the duality of musicians who take on alter egos and that Garth Brooks got more lip service for Chris Gaines than I think any time before. And that reference to Saturday Night Live was, you know, I, I saw that and it was such a bizarre presentation. And, and I'm glad I'm not the only person that that recognized that.
0: Yeah. Well, cool, man. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Those were, uh, those were fun. Those were fun episodes too. I'm a big fan of uh, both of them. Um, As far as this album, I, I know that I've heard it all the way through at least once, probably twice. Um, Yeah. Unlike the the album that came before this one, for some reason I, you know, well, not for some reason, for, for reasons, Uh, critics seem to like this one better. Talking book rather than Music of My Mind, but I maybe it's because of the singles were like bigger hits off of this one. But as far as overall albums go, I felt like they were just they just kind of like they're just a continuation of each other.
1: I think you know I think they could, you said this when we were talking about Al Green in previous episodes, and it really yeah. informed my perception of this this as well. This could have been you know a double album uh you know the the two albums i have no doubt in my mind were were you know maybe recorded all at the same time and parceled out among two albums that could have it seems like a right glove and a left glove and i know you like to get into personnel and just a quick check of some of the people on this album you know um it's it's almost everybody who was a part of of music of my mind and then the addition of some, some newer, newer people, but yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's
0: obviously yeah. it wasn't the same recording sessions. I mean, Correct. yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. And uh, you know, he brought, he brought in those, those uh, the Tonto synthesizer guys again um, to produce this one. Uh, uh, yeah. Malcolm Cecil and, and Robert uh, Marguloff. We talked about them on the previous episode and yeah, that like, like a lot of people said, this was this was a uh, this was the beginning. This seventy two was the beginning of a new era for Stevie. He had a lot more creative freedom because um, you know he signed a new contract with Motown, and basically he just kind of he became like a new he became a new uh, songwriter. And hey, you didn't say
1: you didn't say what I thought you were going to say, which is you know my reaction. I uh, this song has you know some singles on it that went farther and probably shaped his career uh in this new way you were talking about um but as far as songs that I responded to and appreciated that the music of my mind hit hit harder for me and I mean there's there's songs on this album that I just flat out do not like oh yeah wow. um, you know but, yeah y- balanced out with I mean we'll get to it superstition is you know, if you really think about it, and its recognizability, and its impact, and its groove, and its funkiness, it's one of the greatest songs. Certainly, one of the, in the top five greatest songs of nineteen seventy two to come out. Um, and and on a broader scale of of classic rock and Motown and and whatnot, it's so. So, do you think it's
0: because of the singles is why this album gets a little bit more attention? Yes, critically. Yeah.
1: I exactly. I mean, I I I think that he. Perfected this unique style in in his previous seventy two album. This one just had some more radio marketability.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, so this was his fifteenth. Um, it it peaked at number three on the charts. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting. Rolling Stone, I I forget where they put Music in My Mind. Where Rolling Stone put it on their top five hundred, I'll have to go back. Might, and look.
1: Let's see, I might be able to come come up with that quickly but rolling stone put this one at
0: 59 out of 500 so which
1: I, that's a bold move again i mean i you know i think that's a bold a bold move Uh music uh let's see rolling stone put this one at uh, t- uh mu- rolling stone put music of my mind at 284
0: 284 out of 500 and this mm-hmm. one at 59 no. so um so yeah you could see the, dis- the the discrepancy in the the acclaim between these two albums in a way that um some yeah it kind of doesn't make sense to me um you say there are songs on this album you didn't like i would say i would say they're probably equal both albums in my mind they're they're kind of mm-hmm. equal but yeah thinking that thinking that um talking book was leaps and bounds ahead of music in my mind is, um, yeah, is is strange. And I, you know, I just don't agree with it. It's all subjective though. Um, Nobody and-
1: asked us. They didn't, they didn't bring <laughs> us into the room when they were, you know, no. when they were deciding that out. That's
0: but. why we're setting the record straight with this podcast where we're, you know,
1: that's exactly right.
0: We're rewriting the opinions right now. Um, the original packaging, I thought this was kind of cool. The original packaging, this album, uh his his name and the title of the album were both printed and in braille and there's a message uh, engraved in braille on the the front um and the message said here is my music it is all i have to tell you how i feel know that your love keeps my love strong
1: wow Um, i did not know that that's amazing
0: Yeah. I I thought it was pretty cool. Only on, only on the original LPs. Uh, I, I don't know if they've ever tried to, I mean, I don't know if they, obviously they, have well, not obviously, but maybe they've reprinted the LPs. If they have reprinted the LPs, I doubt that they put the original Braille on the cover.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know. So in 1984, you know, 85 to, to 89 um, was a time that I was kind of looking through my parents' small record collection, you know, and they maybe had, you know, less than 50 albums, you know, next to a, a record player, but this was one of them. And at a time when I was going through and looking, you know, as a small child at these big square pictures and perceiving that there was something deep with these kind of you know, these longing looks and these, you know, these views and people reclining on things. They had this album and I could not figure out what was going on with it. Like Uh. the narrative of it was lost to me on that age. Um, And I, I sort of had the sense of who Stevie Wonder was from the radio and from my parents talking about it and singing along to his music, but I couldn't, I couldn't read. I couldn't rectify that the mental image and then the kind of public image I I had seen of him versus what was happening on this album cover when I was like ten years old. So apropos of nothing, I just put that out there as a you know, being a confused small white child by Stevie Wonder. So well, you said
0: you said you had a like a personal perspective for this album. You really you wanted to do this album when we first started the project, and you want to, you want know, to talk about that
1: if you yeah, sure so it you know it relates to the power of music and it's not the album so much as the song and in a very cliched way i i knew of superstition i knew of this album but i had never really given it many full listen throughs um for my you know my interest in cv wonder was always a greatest hits kind of approach to it um the movie high fidelity came out and mm-hmm. included you know the song i believe you know yeah. Uh, if, if I, fall, if I fall in love, it'll be forever. Yeah. And that, you know, that landed in my, my mind hard. I mean, it was, I was like, this is a fucking amazing song. And it brought me back to that album and, and kind of turned me onto deeper tracks for him. But fast forward to 2009 or so. And um, I played that song for my, who would become my wife. And I did it in my room and, and, you know, the moment just struck and I put it on and I'd never played it for anybody before. And I hadn't, I hadn't been compelled to, but, and my wife, you know, she knew maybe three Stevie Wonder songs, but I turned that on. And by the time it was over, you know, that was the night that we started saying, I love you to each other. And that was, that was what began easily the understanding that that we were at least prepared to consider spending the rest of our lives uh, together it is a
0: great song for that moment uh i i am positive that he wrote that song so that future moments like that would exist and that song would be the
1: catalyst Well, I consider it to be a magnum opus of this approach. I don't know if I'm not, I'm, I don't profess to be revelatory when I say this, it's just my, you know, as I've come to understand it, Stevie wonder in this quote unquote, classical period, classic Stevie wonder period that begins with, with uh, music of my mind and continues through this is that he gets into the, the power of those repetitive verses. Mm -hmm. um, And I think that in other songs on this album, there are much lamer attempts at trying to kind of build an atmosphere. Um, But I think with this one fires on all eight cylinders creates this big room atmosphere has the, the kind of rounds of voices coming through. The music is funky yet sensual. And it's just, just, you know, I think it, I think it uh, it's the, the Zenith of what he was going for with that repetitive lure them in I, lock them in so
0: i will remember that song from high fidelity as well a movie that i i watched uh you know a few times as it as a young kid a movie that i i liked back then uh upon like revisiting it in my adulthood uh doesn't really quite hold up as much you know you, you yeah. know, I, I don't know. I, I kind of see the, the main character is just a big man, child now. Sure. Uh, sure. But maybe, you know, maybe that like, I'm just... uh, there's no, of course there's maybe no ego a... <laughs> in
1: that, in that perception at all. Nothing, no, nothing no. what you said was ego informed in the slightest Mike, but go ahead.
0: No, no there, it might, it <laughs> might be, it might be reflection. It yeah. might be like a, a bad reflection that I don't want to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, that, that song was definitely a highlight. And it was the, probably the first time I ever heard that song.
1: Yeah, cuz it what? didn't it's not a song that I I you know in in previous episodes I've been on I talk about how time in the car with the family on long road trips really informed a lot of my 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 uh appreciation for music of this era but that's not a radio song. That's not a song that I ever heard on the radio. Um and I didn't hear it beyond seeking it out specifically until Pandora came along and streaming services of music came along and got into deeper cuts. I feel like, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard it on the radio before, but no, no, yeah.
0: I, I, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about more. I, yeah. Of, okay. On the track list, but yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll just, we'll get into it. So many other songs to talk about the first one, it opens up with uh, you are the sunshine of my life, which is a song that everyone knows about CD wonder um, in my opinion a really good song on the album. One of, one of the better songs on the album. Uh It, you know, it is kind of um it's in a way, it's very similar to the song we were just talking about and it, they kind of bookend each other. And I, you know, JR always notices that I like to, I like to talk about bookends when the, when an album does them really well.
1: Well, I, I, I think it's important. I mean, song placement is key. And I do not like this song. Okay, I think it's a weird song to start with. And I think it's, I mean, you know, what I noted about the song is in the first kind of three verses, you get three different voices, you know? Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll talk about that. So it's, it was the second single for the mm -hmm. album. Uh, It was released as a single, like the following year. And the single version is actually different. They actually, they added horns to it.
1: Yeah. Um, Okay.
0: And yeah, so it opens up with with uh, his backing vocalists sing the first two lines of the song, which is yeah, which is kind of a weird way to to start an album, which is that the very first voice you hear is not Stevie Wonders.
1: And especially, you know, contrasted with previous works where he is doing everything, you know, where he is the man behind the music and the writing and the, the this and that. I thought I thought it was fascinating. Now. My gripe with this has everything to do with that kind of light, sugary, sappy da 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 da, da intro, okay. like that, and that that approach comes out in a number of songs in this, and I, I, yeah, it doesn't, it's not speaking my love language. Um, <laughs> okay. And, um, when did, and when did when did you yeah. become
0: so cynical?
1: I you when, know I I just when I, did your I, heart I... become a block of ice? <laughs> You know, I, I I just it's never, you know, this approach is always it's it's always been a little kind of Austin powery to me. You know, I mean, it's just super, super <laughs> okay. groovy, you know, and you, you just picture somebody with a drink in their hand, just sort of flitting across yeah. a room towards their their aspired lover. And it's just like, ah, gag oh. me with a spoon. Can you agree that it's
0: not a repetitive song?
1: it is not a repetitive strong exact. It is not. Uh It gets
0: the song gets, it it gets in and out like real quick. Like the very, the very first track is very, it's got a a very radio friendly um, time to it. And uh, yes, they, they knew what they were doing.
1: Yes. It's very marketable.
0: Yeah. It, it earned him. I think this was his first Grammy. I, I, I might be wrong, but it earned him a Grammy for best male pop vocal. Yeah. Uh, and yeah like right. he's, like you said like uh he's been known to play everything i think you know he pretty much played almost everything on uh, music of my mind but this one he brought in some other people to help him out the in particular on this song of course the backing vocals but the bass the bass and the congas
1: are not him um but yeah. and to be fair mike what what do you like i i talked about what i don't <laughs> like about the song and you i I didn't mean to step on your introduction. What do you enjoy about this song? Why is this I, one of your favorites? It's
0: not. I, I mean, I would say that I en- I enjoy the song because of its maybe because of its simplicity and maybe because of maybe because of the mm-hmm. maybe because of the sugariness. Like I'm not really like a guy that goes goes for that, but there are certain songs where I hear it and I'm like, yeah, this is good. It and it makes me, you know, I, as someone someone who is a lover rather mm-hmm. than a fighter. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of, I dig, I dig the love songs when they're, when they're done right with a good voice.
1: Yeah. Um And but- I, well, there's no doubt he did it right. You know, credit where <laughs> credit's due. <do>. He <laughs> definitely wrote a better love song than I ever could. And and I recognize that it's, you know, so the if, you know, difference between liking chocolate, chocolate <laughs> ice cream and vanilla ice cream, you know, it could go either way. Uh, So the very first voice you hear in that song uh,
0: is a backup singer who appears on many songs of this album. And his name is Jim Gilstrap and his kind of credit to fame was he was the guy who sang the good times theme song.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Uh, But yeah, he shows, he shows up on most of this album. Um, Now, now going from something that isn't repetitive into track two, which might be one of the most repetitive things that I got sick of real quick, despite the fact that I, I really love the chorus melody. I really love that. The track two, maybe your baby, um, one that he did pretty much almost everything on, except the guitar is played by a Mr. Ray Parker Jr. Yeah. Okay. which, Which is interesting. Um, you don't really, I mean, the guitar is there. It's kind of mixed in. It doesn't really stand out, but it is him. It is, you know, Mr. Ghostbusters playing
1: himself. It. Yeah, yeah. Contributing. Um, well, I, I had underlined what you said. I mean, this is, this is, I put trademark repetitive verse approach, but the opening to this and the grooviness and the funkiness of this song is something that really speaks to me. And I, I could have seen them reverse. I could have seen this be the opening track and, Mm. and um, sunshine of my love uh, be the next uh, uh, the next the second song just as easily. But this one grabs me a lot more, but it does, I won't say suffers, but I definitely recognize that the repetitiveness of it.
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, when the, when the chorus first comes in, I love that chorus line. Like I said, I love that melody. By the end of the song and this song is seven minutes long and then <laughs> at, at the end of the song that chorus comes in and a chorus that i i really loved has now sort of starting to like uh drill yeah a little hole in i forgot head. that
1: this was the seven minute one and you're <laughs> yeah. right one thing one note i i had on another piece of paper was seven minutes could be four minutes you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it could and, and yeah. i think
0: what what bothers me about repeating that chorus over and over is there's not, there's not any like really, there's not any vamping on it. Uh, there's nothing, uh, he's not changing things around. It doesn't like right. change keys. It's just the same thing over and over. I, and I will say to the funkiness, yep. I, I do, I, I love the funkiness and in a unique way, it's one of those songs that can be funky without a whole lot of drums. The drums are so minimal in this. Like right. he, That's ba- a very good point. Yeah, he's just, he's just playing that hi-hat for a long time. Every once in a while, he'll do, you know, he'll do like real quick snare hit or something. And there's like a bridge part where the drums do come in finally. And he's playing a beat, but then he takes them away again, like instantly. Yeah, And it's, it's really, uh, it says something that you can, you can make like, you know, you can make a banger funk song on keyboards alone, you know?
1: Yep. I got to remember nodding. I have to signal when I'm nodding because I like <laughs> yeah. to nod along to what you say and, and I get quiet, but yes.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. It, and what, what what else is interesting is that he likes to do the back and forth. Like the opening song is this very nice, like love letter to someone. And then track two is all about uh, this love of his Maybe. stepping out on him. you know?
1: Yeah. I was going to say exactly that. It's got a, another plan. Yep. Yeah, that's another what's thing. Like.
0: yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe your baby has other plans and, you know, he even in one line, he even references that, you know, leaving, leaving me for my best friend. So mm-hmm. yeah, you go from a love song to a sad one. Yeah. Uh, maybe something, maybe not necessarily sad, maybe just angry. Is, uh, And then, Right back to the love again, which is track three. You and I, we can conquer the world. Yeah. And this so is so, this is a very, not
1: again, not my favorite.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: what's the, I, I, the, you know, it's got the, um, just the alien, buzzy background noise, you know i don't I'm not a fan of it, I'm not enticed by it, yeah. um, perhaps when it came out or when he was doing that, that might have been groundbreaking, but um yeah, it's just not my i the whole time I'm just like why why is that happening? Yeah, why this, is that a part of the song? this
0: one's just a very it's a very soft ballad piano i I would say the buzzing thing is probably coming from all of this like this experimentation with layering things this this was something that he hadn't tried before so even when something is not quite fitting with the song they're leaving it in maybe because because they think it's different that for the the only reason is is like oh this has never been done before let's just leave it in
1: well, I had the mental image of somebody with a balloon, just like slowly letting air eke out <laughs> into the background, you know, just, just why not? Let's just, let's deflate some balloons while we're throwing yeah. it at this. Yeah. So.
0: Not, not you know, not my favorite uh, of the love songs. You know, I'm, I, I would pick track one over this one for sure, but um, yeah. So I need mean, move it on to track four where it gets a little funkier. Tuesday heartbreak. Love again, this.
1: Love. Great song. Great I, song.
0: Again, the back and forth love heartbreak yep. now um yeah and this is a great one uh denise williams on the backing folks, uh david sanborn on the sax yeah and,
1: and the sax gets gets funky in this it's, yeah it's, it's good to hear it yeah, yeah. It,
0: it's definitely highlighted um yeah and this one is just you know what you think it is it's just kind of a uh it's another one of those angry angry that she's gone songs yeah um yeah, and uh, then the, we it ends the side with you've got it bad girl, and this is one that was co-written by Yvonne Wright. You know she helped uh, write some stuff on uh, the previous album on the, on and, the previous album. Yeah, she's a
1: familiar um, a very, familiar name. Yeah, and, and,
0: and familiar like lyrics because you can definitely tell when she shows up to help write because the language becomes very flowery. It become like, uh, you know, a lot more descriptive language uh, yeah. appears in the songs that she's she's on.
1: Agreed. Also, this is my least favorite song on the album. Oh, OK. Um, and it's it has everything to do with. And it, it's it's ironic what comes after this, because what I don't I do not like the free form, flowy, jazzy nature of this song, mm-hmm. uh, coupled with that kind of syrupy, sappy loveness of. Of um, you know the first song that we talked about, it mm-hmm. just comes together for something that is my least favorite uh, of sounds for this. So yeah,
0: um, and breaking with the themes, it's not so much a song about someone being in love or someone breaking out of love. It's it's about someone like trying to convince someone else to let them love them in
1: a way. You're right.
0: So, but you get into
1: you you get into that repetitive uh repetitive verses that we talked about as well and and yeah it's um again i mean of course it's it's an amazing song um and i'm sure they had a good time doing it i bet live i bet this would be a song that would be amazing live to connect with but yeah. um yeah so so uh,
0: so far it is it is very hit and miss with you on this it one.
1: literally is hit or miss i think basically it just it, it rotates every other song um yeah. it's something i can dig on so
0: but it this this one ends the side and what's interesting is uh this song you and i was the b-side to the single of the beginning of side two superstition his his big hit
1: big hit and and you know compared to, to the previous song, whereas it's free form, this song is tight and, and, you know, it's got, it's got a set, you know, it's not repetitive in its lyrics and, and verses, and it's, it's got a very groovy beat. And again, I mean, when I think of the term groove, my mind always goes to this and it's, uh, you know, of the song's, on the radio that are out there this or that this is in the top 10 of any list that you would want to put together yeah. um
0: memorable memorable drum beat. like everyone when that drum beat starts everyone knows what's about to happen
1: yeah
0: the the line comes in and it, yeah it it is a, it's a very memorable song a song too about you know he just kind of writes these these weird lyrics on the on the themes of superstition you know mm-hmm. which uh it, it's just very interesting you know in that chorus That chorus talking about, like, you know, believing, you know, what does he say? Believing in things. When you
1: believe in things you can't understand and you suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Then you
0: suffer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that it's very interesting. Those lyrics coming from someone who, you know, by all intents and purposes is a, is a very religious man. You know, he talks about God a lot in his songs.
1: That's a very good point. That hadn't occurred to me. Um, And it's, you know, the, it's, it's, um, that's, that's a, s- such a great observation. It should have been mine is basically what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> well, well said, Yeah, very well said. Um, yeah.
0: but yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of people m- may know the, the cover by the red hot chili peppers, uh, of this, um, uh, probably I, no, 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 sorry. They didn't cover this. They covered higher
1: learning. Might was it right. higher? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was, I higher. was going to say I, I got, um, um you you caught me on that i'm not i'm not familiar with the cover of this particular song i don't know anybody that would really dare i've heard it done live at weddings and things like that but no um, you're right
0: i don't i i don't think i know anyone who has covered the song i i haven't heard a cover
1: of it because what are they going to say here's our shittier version of the most amazing (laughs) funkiest song you've ever heard uh
0: yeah and then when those when those horns get layered in uh Mm -hmm. it takes it to the next level uh those guys trevor lawrence on the sax and steve medayo on the trumpet yeah um yeah just uh yeah this is his first single no no yeah this is this is the first single off the album and it reached number one it became his third overall uh number one hit so yeah like like you said
1: it's well and it has stood it has stood the test of time i mean i don't i don't clue into um uh you know car radio am fm radio yeah. much anymore but anytime I do this is this always makes a round whether it's a retro you know retro lunch or you know just the the drive at five you know they put this out there and everybody starts starts grooving for yeah, sure. It's
0: it is the song that is that is carrying this album. This I mean yeah. this song is 75% of the reason why it broke Rolling Stones, you know, top 100. Yeah, uh, And albums. it moved, you
1: know, it, it definitely, you know, it, to your point earlier on, it carried Stevie Wonder away from this Motown, you know, yeah. uh, perception, little Stevie perception to um, to a very adult, very groove informed uh, musician for sure.
0: Yeah. And with this opening up side B, uh, I can only imagine people you Know when they go to put on their LP, they don't necessarily want to listen to the whole album, all they got to do is just start side B right and at then, the top, yeah. yeah. And and to be honest, uh, I think like the next song, uh, is a great song as well. The one that it kind of fades into Big Brother,
1: Big Brother, which is a it's it's an amazing song in that it's it's um, well, what were you gonna say? I'm sorry, I'm no, no I don't need no. to step on you. No, no, go ahead. Well, it's you know, it is it has this almost Sesame Street opening, you know, it's beautiful opening. And and again, he's playing, he's playing this instrument almost as if it's a, uh, a guitar, but it's not right. He's on the the clavinet. Yeah. Yeah, And he's, it it just sounds like he's strumming a stringed instrument and then goes on. It it seems like it's going to be happy and uplift, uplifting, but goes on to tell this story of of you know how you're holding me back and you only come around when you need my vote and yeah. you know i mean this is what this it, is what this it one, illustrates
0: this is this one socio-political song on the album yeah. and and it's a good one i mean and yeah and there are lines in it that aren't just throwaway lines it's not just uh you know, it's not just superficial, like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. you only come to the ghetto when you need my vote.
1: When you need uh, my vote. Yeah, yeah, your the, name is Big Brother. And even the first time, before I really understood what was going on, I thought it was, a, I thought it was going to be a song about family. Because um, <laughs> yeah. you could hear that you can say my, you, you can hear that your name is Big Brother and, mm-hmm. and then kind of just let the music lull you. But yeah, to pay attention to the lyrics goes to a very, you know, uncomfortable reality. And yeah. it's obviously super important, but a beautiful song for yeah, sure,
0: for sure. And the, the imagery of the the matchbook apartment and the roaches, wall to wall roaches, uh, and yeah. this this whole idea of someone like watching you on the television. you know you're watching me on the tele television.
1: Or that threat. I'll see you later. Yeah. 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 Um And so you know, and he did all of this. This is all just this is
0: yeah, all all him. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, like you said, the instrumentation is is very interesting in this one. It it almost has like an acoustic quality, even though we not we know that it's not acoustic at all. Right. It's just right. The, those sounds that he was able to to put together. Um, yeah. yeah good, good song. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, if you're not a fan of the LP, that's fine. You can just like I said, start on side B and you got like two two great songs like right out the bat.
1: And I think I think that's really me. I think that's if I you know, if I were if I were using this in everyday life, I probably would just keep to the B side. I think this would be my B side album.
0: Yeah, because then next you got Blame It on the Sun. Um, This one co-written by Cyrita Wright. And I think we looked this up last time. These two, the two Wright ladies are not related. Not related.
1: And and the but the first one we were talking about is an is an ex-wife, right? I mean Yvonne we, they, yes. Yvonne, they were married and mm-hmm. and um ultimately separated, but I think on reasonable terms. I think they continued to perform together after. Um or
0: or are we getting are we getting that backwards? Is it Cyrita was the ex-wife?
1: Well, you uh, continue talking, uh, I'll do a it, deep dive so, real quick, see what I can come up with. So
0: blame it on the sun, yeah, co-written by Cyrita. Um and yeah, this one, another one that's just, uh, it's a heartbreak song. And what's interesting, you know, he, this the whole chorus is like, he's hes trying to find these outside sources that are to blame for the, you know, the breakdown of the relationship. And of course, then he realizes like, you know, he blames on everything, but his heart, his heart blames him. And then the, the very last line of the song is one of the backing vocals, which I think is interesting. The backing vocal is saying, your heart blames you like the bag of was speaking directly to him which i thought was yeah. kind of funny
1: well uh okay so sarita sarita was uh the previously married they were married oh, okay
0: so yep all right
1: yeah
0: um okay but yeah another one of those where you you see the lyrics the lyrics kind of take on like uh not they're not quite as flowery as yvonne's lyrics but right. But yeah, the the lyrics kind of set things up a little differently, and then said,
1: you know, some good gospel background vocals. It seems, and and the piano was was upbeat and fun. You know, um, I yeah. I did I did like this song. I
0: yeah, side good. side B, it's it's a side B album for sure. It's like back half, yeah. back half is better. Um, yeah, yeah, um, like Gilstrap. Like I said, he's he's on a lot of this. Uh the other vocal backing vocals that shows up a lot is um Lonnie Graves. Uh and she is the she was the second voice you hear on um You Are the Sunshine of My Life. And you'll you'll hear that this whole album. I think she's hmm. the one that does that line at the very end, too. Uh track nine, looking for another pure love. Now, this is this is a song that I I could have swore that I that it was a single, or at least I know that I've heard it on the radio. It's come
1: around before. I, I agreed. Um, and I, it was familiar to me as well. And I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, I don't know if it was a part of a mainstream movie or a TV show or something. Um, but, and,
0: uh, and I feel like it, it might have something to do with the fact of uh, a guest that shows up on this song, uh guitar solo in the middle of the song by Jeff Beck, yeah (laughs) and what's funny is that you can actually hear stevie right before the solo begins you can hear stevie say uh do it jeff like right before he launches into it Uh, which uh i i don't think i you know know, no go ahead
1: (laughs) well i was gonna say you know again for somebody who is uh rightfully so in control of every aspect of this and and i think what you were going to say is at no point have i heard him say take it over take it over (laughs) you know buzz come come on in you know so so yeah yeah a shout out to jeff beck would be intense but it was
0: it was just a very like in the moment sort of thing something you hear on like live live albums or anything but like right there in the studio you know him him calling him out being like do it jeff Yeah, letting letting everyone know that he's got Jeff Beck in the studio right now.
1: Well, so I don't know if you want to take a guess as to how I feel about this song, but, um, you know, it, 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 this is my least favorite song on this side. Um, (laughs) uh, This is, you know, it's four minutes and 45 seconds could be three minutes. And um, I just didn't, you know, it gets into these, these minor, minor notes and, and, you know, these bendy notes and, I just found a grating after a little while. Um,
0: What did you you think of that guitar solo though?
1: uh, You know, it was, (laughs) uh, it was better than, um, than Tom Morello's, uh, you know, anything Tom Morello put out, I would say, but uh, yeah.
0: (laughs) So he brought in another uh, guest guitar player for the song. Jeff Beck only plays the solo. The rest of the, the rest of the guitar is played by, we've talked about him before. His name is uh, Buzz Fightin, maybe Featon. I don't know how to pronounce the last name but he's known. For I would say fighting fight. Yeah. He's known I, for a very special tuning, the fightin tuning system that he
1: created. Okay. I do. Re- I recall that we, we talked about that, um but only just now, but he, he was a contributor to um music of my mind as well. Yeah. He's so,
0: on, he's on a one song. Uh I can't remember the name of it song now, but, but yeah, he, so, you know, he was definitely a guy that was there. Stevie liked, he brought him, but I, I do think it's funny that he brings him in to play all of the guitar parts for the song, but when it comes to the solo, he's like, Oh, I got a, a special friend. Uh, everyone knows Mr. Jeff Beck, bring him in.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then take like, it away. Buzz. Yeah. yeah. yeah and Buzz is mm-hmm. like,
0: okay, fine. whatever." <laughs> right. I guess I'm just standing in the
1: corner, <laughs> my finger in my ass. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: and then we get to the album closer, the song that we've talked about already.
1: One of uh, the greatest closers of an album in the history of closers, I would say,
0: uh, you know, if, I mean, if it wasn't for superstition being on this album, this would definitely be the best song on the album.
1: I, but I, is that an acquired taste? Is that an appreciation? I mean, other people, well, okay. I mean, obviously they, they liked it enough to include it in the movie high fidelity. And then I think it came around. I didn't see the TV show, but I saw a note that this song was included yeah, in yeah. the TV show as well. Um but again, it's not something that I I had heard outside of that context uh, did not hear it on the radio. and I do see it as being um, a culmination of of that the funk that I appreciate, the funk and groove that I appreciate, and the repetitive verse play and word play done right um, and you know it's it's, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 amazing to me.
0: No, you're absolutely right. It, when it comes to the repetitiveness, this one, I, I really liked when it, when it finally starts just doing the repetitive chorus over and because it's a beautiful chorus and you're just going to do it over and over again, but he decides to, he decides to vamp on it, you know, and like layer some other stuff. And then all of a sudden the song just changes.
1: It has, it, it has this funky outro. It does now, and to a point you mentioned earlier uh, when you get into that repetitive nature in this in this uh, approach, he does get into to harmonies and melodies and and he plays around with it. It's not just the same thing over and over again. Um, and then you're right at the at the end, it, it turns into that funky outro in a way that allows for, uh, you know, what would be if you're sharing that experience with another person that can that can be a powerful, powerful moment. And you don't want to come away with the, you know, the graduate ending where you realize you're really into this person, but then there's the rest of reality with, with what Stevie wonder does, you know, he ends on this funky sort of happy outro that allows you to sort of shake it off a little bit, you know, move into a, you know, a playful groove um, and playful voices in a way that kind of carries the, carries everybody back to, you know, to reality in a pleasant way. I think.
0: No, you're right. Yeah, Yeah. That that definitely that definitely hits it. It's like I'm gonna end not just the song but the album on but the on album, a, yeah. On a more playful sort of feel. And I would I would love to know if if when he played the song live, did he keep did he keep that funky part going? Because I it would be great if like all of a sudden, you know, this song turned into like a cool jam song, you know, that he da- just uh, yeah, a dance song. Say he, could, he, yeah. He kept going for another yeah. five, six minutes with it. That would be very cool. do it.
1: I've I have <laughs> never heard this song performed live, and now after we do this, I I would seek it out. You yeah. also wonder, you know, we talked the, about this a little bit on some other albums, but as far as decision making goes, did they craft this to be? Did he know that this was going to be the bookend? Is this going to be the 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 last? song on the album would it have worked if it was somewhere else in the album would it have been as effective or or that empowering
0: or Um, another question to ponder uh before they before he realized this is going to be the the last song did he go back in and rework that funky part into the song after it already being done knowing mm. that like now oh oh now this
1: is going to be the closer
0: yeah, I would yeah. I would like to actually tack on this like little part at the end. I'd like to rework it. Sure. I don't know. I don't know. I
1: think and it's you know uh, some you know another notable change would be you know at the end of um uh what is it uh Layla by uh-huh. um uh, oh what's his face um but Eric Clapton right yeah you know it it shifts it transitions from something hard rock to that kind you know that kind of more playful piano and and whatnot um and i don't think it ends as well as this does i don't think it concludes you know as well as this does but but other musicians other musicians have tried it this is by far one of the best executions
0: i also noticed that this song has been uh covered quite a few times by other people uh josh groban did a Mm -hmm. cover of this um another a group called evoke i've never heard of but I, i just saw a list that out of all the songs on this album, this one has been covered the most.
1: Like, That's like profe-
0: professionally yeah. covered.
1: I have never I've not heard anybody else's take on it. I'll have to I will seek that out. I, I that would I, be interesting. I really doubt
0: anyone could do a better <laughs> version, but but yeah. Um yeah, and, and you know, this song being the song that you know you, you associate with high fidelity, you think of that the whole premise to that movie. This guy, like looking back on his past relationships and wondering why he can't get any of them to stick and so it it's almost like this song was perfect for that idea where he finally realizes that he needs to like grow up and settle down, and the whole the the idea like I believe you know that when I fall in love the next time it it mm-hmm. will be forever it's 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 just sort of that that moment in everyone's like maybe not everyone but a moment in both you and i's life we can relate
1: i think if you know if you have a touch of the romance if you're if you're a uh if you got a little romantic streak in you this song's definitely going to speak to you and it's not anything i certainly ever kept as like a magic bullet in my music arsenal to try to to, you know i i it wouldn't have been my thought to try to include this on like a mixtape or a burn cd or something like that but it certainly (laughs) when i when i called upon it 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 did exactly what I hoped it would do for yeah. sure.
0: It's, so. it's a song that like looks into the future, in a way, mm-hmm. you know, it like it, it helps you look into your own future. Uh, yeah. And, and another one that Yvonne co-wrote. So that, that language is very flowery in this one. It's yeah. uh, a lot, a lot of just a lot of descriptors, a lot of, uh, that's a lot, that's lot of adjectives.
1: Excellent point. That is an excellent point. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: But yeah, so that's it. That's that is talking book. Um, like you said, you would probably take the the other album over this one.
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, as far as an as far as an album experience, I got more enjoyment out of, uh, talking. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry. Songs, songs of my mind, music of my mind, music of um, mind. Yeah. Uh, as like a, a put it on and and kind of take something in from start to finish but as far as singles this one definitely if, is there
0: now if if superstition and i believe could have somehow made it onto music of my mind would that have been almost a perfect album
1: probably i mean i, I would again i would if if again i don't i wouldn't want to leave big brother off of oh yeah sure off sure. of sure. this you know if you could if you could excise those and put it onto <laughs> that one i would I would have had that one, you know, and, and yeah, wouldn't have invested time or energy probably into this one personally. That's my personal, you know, that's, that's how it's personally spoke to me, but to your, yeah, to your point, yeah. Music of my mind would have been a powerhouse if it had this to go along with it.
0: But these two albums coming out this year with, with all of this, this new sound and all this new equipment at its disposal. I, I mean, he obviously had to put out two albums because you know when when all of a sudden you have that much like freedom and and you're diving into something new then yeah the the man just wrote like he was just i think i think
1: he was bursting i think he was bursting bursting with the yeah and i'm thankful for you know following along with you in this musical process has really opened my eyes to just how many decision makers there are for what and how things happen and i'm glad that stevie wonder was in a position to take control uh have creative control over this and it really showed that um that he knew what he was doing in this instance and and what he would be doing in the future yeah so. and for
0: for him to meet this this producer these this mm-hmm. duo with this this new system this Tonto synthesizer yeah, it was, you know, it was a, it was a great musical marriage.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, uh, they talk about how this was, the two albums we're talking about now uh, kind of create the, the classic period for him. And yeah. I, I haven't listened to the next album that would come out. I think, I think there's four albums associated with this classic period. And I haven't really listened to the other two, but um, I, I'm compelled to now for sure.
0: Well, next time uh, you're you're popping into the the pizza parlor to pick up a a to go pie, and they're playing superstition on the radio, just mm-hmm. you know, just uh, put a finger to your nose and be like, "Excuse me, excuse <laughs> me." Drop, drop a knowledge uh, bomb. Do you happen to know that this song is now fifty years old?
1: It's now exactly fifty years old? Yeah 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 well what do we like to say well i won't say it until we're not supposed to say anything else i'll wait until
0: (laughs) no let's let's say it at the same time
1: okay all right one two three happy Happy 50th birthday (laughs) happy 50th birthday
0: oh so close this is your last episode